0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 143 of the Northern Miner Podcast. I'm your host, John Cumming, the Editor-in-Chief of the Northern Miner. This episode, we have Part 2 of David Harkwell speaking at the Northern Miner's Canadian Mining Symposium held at Canada House in London, England uh, on May 22, 2019. But this time, he's speaking as CEO of Franco Nevada, the precious metals royalty streaming company. If you recall in the last episode, David spoke as chair of the World Gold Council. Like last episode, first David speaks from the podium uh, solo and then comes down and sits with me for a mini fireside chat. This podcast is sponsored by the Yukon Mining Alliance. Check out their website at yukonminingalliance.ca and their Twitter feed at at investyukon. On a personal note, this will be the last time I host the Northern Miner podcast After almost 23 years with the Northern Miner, writing for them, and uh, 14 years as editor-in-chief, I'm going to join Agnico Eagle Mines, the gold miner. I'll be at their Toronto head office working as a senior geologist in their exploration division, doing technical writing and reporting. So it's just a great job with a great company in the best commodity, I would say, so I'm just thrilled about the whole thing. This podcast, of course, will go on. We'll have a new host, Adrian Pocabelli of the Northern Miner. He's our online editor and a bit of a guru of social media. We have quite a bit of material in the bank. We have uh, at least 12 shows to come without even adding new interviews. So uh, the podcast will continue without interruption at the same pace. With my departure, Trish Saywell, our senior staff writer, she will become the acting editor in chief. Right now she's up in the Yukon with the Yukon Mine Alliance doing their annual property tour for media and investors. So I'm sure when she comes back, there'll be lots of uh, Yukon news. Before we go to our feature with David Harkwell of Franco Nevada, we have a sponsored Mining Minute. Now we have the second in a series of Mining Minute sponsored segments by Sandvik. Here we continue with Peter Corcoran. He's the Vice President of Sandvik Mining and Rock Technology Canada. And he's going to talk about Sandvik's automation and productivity services for their clients.
1: A portfolio that we offer uh, to help our customers connect this equipment, uh, the analytics process uh, through our OptiMine uh, systems, where we're actually gathering the data in real time and showing it to the customers uh, so that they can see what's happening in their mind in real time. And then the autonomous and the automation equipment, which is our auto-mine systems for loaders and trucks, and again, optimization of the fleet. SAMGUS has been in the forefront. If you're not aware that this technology has been happening for some time, where we've been introducing these technologies since early 90s, and in 2005, we delivered the auto-mine launch of our technology. We currently have the largest connected underground mining fleet in the world, with It might be a surprise to people, but there's 3,000 machines currently connected. So we're gathering that uh, equipment and that analytics that comes from that to obviously improve our customers' measured information. One of the families of the product offering, which is the OptiMine uh, system, it's a product family that actually is enabled to real-time production management, which basically is the brain tied to the process and the IOT side of our business, which actually provides the customer with the visibility, so that you can actually target improvements of the OEE, which is the uh, overall equipment efficiency, and use the production hours. Is when we know when we use this information, we then can effectively increase the hours of operation, which in this instance obviously increases productivity.
0: We're going to take a little musical break. And on the other side, we will have our feature with David Harkwell, CEO of Franco Nevada, speaking at the Canadian Mining Symposium in London on May 22nd.
2: I've been told to do a bit of a commercial in Franklin, Nevada first. So, in terms of our business principles, you know, what it is, is we're trying to do all the good stuff in the industry and avoid the bad stuff. We're not a mining company. We don't operate or build mines. We don't even do any exploration. So, for that reason, we don't get a lot of coverage in the northern miner. You know, it's just, uh, it's more of a financial business. But over 30 years, we've collected royalties on mining properties around the world. And the way, when I'm in New York, and we have to explain this to investors, I describe our company as essentially the Airbnb of the gold industry. You know, we get a little piece of a lot of different minds. Our business principles, as I said, is outlined here. And what we find is royalties on great geology is really the most accretive thing you can do in the business. We're not financial engineers. We're trying to expose ourselves to the exploration potential of good geology. In terms of the business model, what, you know, we describe... Franco-Nevada's investors is the low-risk way to get exposure to the industry. What we try to give the investors is the best aspects of a gold ETF and the best aspects of a gold operator. And so this is where we do the check marks here. And the message, it's worked with investors. Franco-Nevada's market cap as of yesterday was over $14 billion U.S. So we're just behind Newmont and Barrick and among the global gold companies by market cap. The other thing that's important is having a broad portfolio. And because it's such a simple business, we can be involved in a lot of properties and manage it with few people. So as you can see, it's a lot of numbers. We're we're involved in not only producing advanced projects, but also a lot of exploration projects. We add these every month, small properties. If it's good geology, we're very patient with them, but we're always interested in the upside. What I think we've done is, because we have such a broad portfolio, we've become a proxy of the entire gold industry. So we're covering all stages of projects. It's about 370 assets that we're administering now, and we're doing it with 34 employees. Our properties cover about 44,000 square kilometers, and that's about the size of Switzerland. But I think it's better than Switzerland because we're trying to do it on the right trends. So we're trying to pick good geology within that. In terms of... I mean, one of the advantages, as I said, is it's a simple business, and so it doesn't cost a lot to run this business. And I have my you know, past auditor here, and he'll verify the numbers, but our G&A costs on a quarterly basis have been almost flat for over a decade, and that's despite our revenues going up sixfold. So this is an absolutely scalable business. I would love to have 1,000 royalties, and maybe we add one or two auditors, but I think we've got that capacity because every asset we buy is incremental. There's not a lot of management effort going forward. I'm told with our number of employees, is 34, that we have the highest market capitalization per employee of any company on the New York Stock Exchange. So we'll try to maintain that. Some of the things that have really driven our portfolio in the last few years is that we've got long life assets. And an advantage of being in the royalty business is we're not restricted to just gold properties and gold companies. What we've been able to do is we've been buying gold and silver from the large porphyry gold projects and the SCARN projects in Latin America. And what's the advantage of some of these assets is that they can go for 30 to 50 years. It's hard to find those types of assets in the gold industry. What you see in the upper left is Cobra, Panama, and you see one of the initial ships just arriving. They're going to be making their first official concentrate shipment next month. This is going to be a cornerstone asset for our company. Uh, First Quantum has been developing, it's probably the largest mining development project in the world, just coming to completion right now so we're very proud to be associated with that and it's something that's going to uh, be a cornerstone for us. These are mines that are run by BHP, Glencore, Tech, First Quantum, the Lundines of the world and so we have very quality franchises here that we're participating in. In terms of performance, you can see there's a good strong linear trend from the lower left to the upper right Our performance was off just a bit in 2018 because there was a pit slide at our Candelaria mine, which is one of our largest cash flow producers. It was the first year we didn't make guidance, but I feel like we've hit the ground running for this year. Uh, Just a week and a half ago, we had our first quarter release. We had record earnings and record revenue numbers for the company. And what we're telegraphing right now is this is really the start of a bunch of records because with Cobra Panama coming in, with Candelaria getting back to normal operations, and we have a lot of growth coming from our own gas assets, we expect to be hitting further records in the second half of this year and through next year, so we're one of the growth companies in the industry. It's a very good story. I'd like to point out in the bottom left is we measure G&A as a percentage of the value of our company because one of the things that a lot of investors buy is the Gold ETF, the GLD. And to be exposed to gold through that ETF, it costs you 40 basis points, 0.4% every year to hold that gold. With our company right now, our entire overhead is running about 17 basis points. So I'd like to point out we're kind of twice as efficient as a gold ETF. And we can do that with active management of these assets. And then, of course, it's dividends. I listened to Steve Letwin this morning, and we've achieved the dream. We are a free cash flow generating business that not only generates enough cash for dividends and growing dividends, but also to do the reinvestment. We're self-financing going forward. And so what you see here has been the trend of dividend payments. We've raised our dividend every year for the last 12 years. We just made our last announcement, again, 10 days ago at our annual meeting. If anyone who bought us at our IPO is in Canada is now getting almost a 9% yield from their investment in Franco, Nevada. Uh, if they had bought us 11 years ago. So it just shows you the power of compounding in dividends. One of the nice things about this company is I can't even screw it up. If our entire management team and board gets hit by a bus, we're not only going to grow for the next five years, just from the projects coming in, we can maintain these dividends for the next 35 years and still have billions left over in the Treasury. So it's... I'd have to make a major mistake to screw it up at this stage. So we've got a very powerful business model, and what we're now focused on is proper succession planning to keep the DNA in order we can preserve this model going forward. And so, you know, what we've coined ourselves is Franco-Nevada, the gold investment that works. We have now have an 11 and a half year of returns to our investors. It's a 17% CAGR, or compounded annual growth rate, of total return to our investors. And so this has been in a market that's been kind of, we've had a bit of a bull bear and a neutral market for the last 11 and a half years. I'm just wondering what we can do in a bull market. And so this has been uh, a, a demonstration that active management, it is possible to outperform passive management. You can outperform the commodity, and I think the business model and portfolio demonstrates that. Let's flip over to Franco,
0: Nevada. We don't have too much time here. My first notes I wrote down was one of the greatest success stories in the gold sector this millennium in a class by itself. So your, your you. quarterly results you. were spectacular first quarter. And you had some big news. Your co-founder yeah. of Franco, Nevada 1.0, Pierre Lassonde, announced he'll be retiring next year. And if you could just comment on your search for a new chairman and what are your own thoughts on succession uh, that you've you've experienced up close?
2: You know, what we've been doing is this. I've been with the original Franco and the new Franco for about 32 years, and actually it was started about in 1985 in terms of when we first bought that Gold (coughs) Strike Royalty in Nevada, that that made the company. And I think what's important is, is I think what makes companies successful, and you can even look at Nico Eagle, they kind of have the DNA of the founder, and there are certain things that makes the company successful that you don't want to turn over everything all at once and then you you've lost that dna Mm -hmm. and so we've been very cautious in terms of not trying to remember what seymour shulick and pierre did differently back in 1985 in terms of building that company through the 80s and 90s when we came back and relaunched franco nevada we tried to bring back as many of the original people as possible and then when we bring new people in it's always educating them in terms of One is keep those overheads low. Keep the organization focused on new investments, not taking care of uh, existing investments. And then manage the ego of of the uh, the CEO. Don't let him think he's he's the uh, the master of the universe. Hmm. And so all the organization is there to keep me humble. And uh, I think whoever is going to be the new CEO of the company, well, we've kind of lined that up right now. We're trying to do an organization where we're more of a partnership. Than having a large eagle running the company. So we're doing all this internally because I think it's important to keep the DNA. Last year we appointed Paul Brink, who's been with me for 14 years, as the president and chief operating officer. So essentially he's the CEO designate. Mm-hmm. And Pierre this year has announced that one year from now he'll step down as chair. And I've been going through Europe and we've just been marketing in the US as well to touch base with the institutions to say what is the proper choice going forward and governance-wise, because they're the owners of the company. So we're consulting with them on the choice. Mm-hmm. I have my hand up to be the next chair of the uh, of uh, Franco-Nevada, but it's really, we, we have to consult with the large institutions before we make a decision. We'll make a decision later this year. Right. So, but we're getting good feedback on that. Good to hear. Um, I always think of Franco-Nevada, I think of
0: some superstar singer or film actor. They make it look very easy, but, but there's a lot of work going on in the background. I wonder if you could just comment on how you best craft a royalty deal, like choosing royalties, streaming, net profit, how to negotiate
2: the deal, when to mm-hmm. renegotiate, that kind of thing. John, it's easy. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, the, thing, the thing is, the luxury we have is good to remember our very first royalty was Gold Strike. So, that was a cash cow right there. And when you have that, then you have the ability to buy things when the market dips. And because this is such a cyclical industry, if you've got the ability to buy things and the market dips, you can buy great assets. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and I guess the only tough part is not to buy things when there's a bull market. Yes. And so what happens is uh, we've done our best deals when the downturn happened. For instance, at the global financial crisis, we did the Pomerio-Guadalupe deal and Gold Quarry. They're company makers for us. We had the dip in the base metal companies in 2014 to 2016. It was Glencore and Tech and Freeport that were coming to us for help on their balance sheet, so we are able to buy into their best mines and buy the gold out of those copper mines. So I think the other thing we have to resist is when we're in the bull market and we're not spending money, we're actually piling up. So sometimes we have north of a billion dollars in cash, and I get this, oh you have a lazy balance sheet, you know, dividend and out, or, uh, or, or go buy something and accelerate your growth. I think that's the only hard part, is not spending money sometimes and then what we want to do is keep that money because we want to be the only ones that can write a check on the next downturn. I think right now we've just dipped into our revolver, so we have just a bit of debt in the company, and that's because we're finding a lot of things to buy. Right. So we're, we're counter-cyclical. Uh,
0: how much of your time is tracking uh, existing royalties out there, just waiting, you know, might, might we wait 10 years to buy a royalty off someone when their life changes or something, and how much of your time is spent creating uh, royalties, that kind of thing?
2: you know it's it's the opportunity is waves because we had the uh, the base metal companies in trouble our money our time was spent on that capital uh helping them fix their balance sheets i think right now there's not a lot of uh I, we're we're doing just the small exp- expiration or early stage projects because we can afford to get into these some of these projects early earlier this year we put about 20 million dollars in the marathon valentine lake deposit in newfoundland because we think that's a great ore body. Someone's going to build that mine. We're in early. We have a royalty. We've just done Solaris Norte with Goldfields. Uh, we bought the underlying royalty in that project. Again, it's pre-final feasibility on it, but again, we're absolutely confident both of these will be mines in the next five to ten years, and we think we're buying at a price that even if it takes ten years, we're still making money on that. So again, we have the luxury. We can buy some of these long-dated assets beyond the timeframe of most other investors because uh, of the nature of the portfolio. In terms of uh, creating royalties, um, that's when you're into the mine financing and building stage. We're really not at that stage now. I think that's going to start happening next year. Right now, we're, we're spending most of our time is actually deploying in the oil and gas industry on the U.S. Oil yes. oil side. We're finding a lot of opportunity there. So there's been a lot of focus on that recently. Something I've always been curious with Franco.
0: is uh, What kind of relationship do you have with these companies after you've struck the royalty deal? Is it
2: hands-off or do you kind of want to help out so to speak? It's it's, it's hands-off and you know the nice thing what I'm proud of is in 32 years and hundreds of royalties I've never had a lawsuit with any of the operators we have very simple royalty contracts in western courts of law so no one's ever challenged them. Sometimes there's an auditing issue and you know we'll do it but it's very rare we ever go to an arbitration on an audit issue so we're, we're I think we're seen as good partners we help out on local community uh, uh, social investments, we'll contribute it. We're down in Antimena, we help fund the school program around the uh, mine. Mm-hmm. At Detour, we're helping to fund, uh, uh, there was a fatality there, and so we're helping to fund some of the efforts to support the families that have, have lost their main partner. And so I think, I think the industry sees as partners. We finance, of course, the Mining Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, we sponsor that as uh, was chair, but also the Prospector's Awards. So we want to help bring out the best in the industry.
0: And on the map of your uh, Franco- Franco's assets, 227 exploration assets, they're obviously not material, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of them. Like, What's yeah. your philosophy
2: towards uh, investing in Juniors? Mm-hmm. Kind of we, we love it. It's good geology. Actually, it's not so much the Juniors, is that interesting property, it's a great geological expertise. And our, our view is we, we can buy it, who, who, whoever owns it, because if it's a good property, it's going to go to stronger hands eventually. Uh, we were into Gold Strike before Barrick was. We were into Colbury, panama before first quantum was. And I think what it is, is that if it's a good ore body, it's always going to attract a stronger operator. And so that's, it's the deposit itself. That's where we have the tenure. It outlasts management teams. They, those change all the time. All
0: right. And one last question, this is more on a personal note. You are a significant donor to charities, uh, medical research and education. There's the
2: Harkwell School of Earth Sciences at Laurentian. Do you have any reflections on this whole experience? Well, I'm following my mentor's footsteps. Seymour Schulich has been one of the biggest benefactors in Canada. So has Pierre Lassonde. Our philosophy is we don't use the company to give money to charities. We, have to, we do it with our own money. And uh, so we just do mining-related charity and, and institutions. But, but for, for like, hospitals and universities, we, it has to come from your own pocket. And so uh, I've done it, but it's actually my family. I enjoy my, my wife and daughter are here. And, uh, it's actually, we call it the Midas Touch Foundation, because if you remember, the Midas Mine was where we uh, made a lot of our money. Our dog is named Midas, and he happens to be a golden retriever. Uh, so, uh, so it's something that I think the whole family is involved in this, this uh, effort. And what we, I like is that... You know, why I like, you know, Pierre has done the LaSalle Mining School. I've done the Exploration School in Sudbury because I think the biggest wealth, as I go back, is, is not by financial engineering, it's by finding new ore bodies. And so if we can have some of these kids find new ore bodies in Canada, everybody's going to win. So that's the fun part. And so I, I hope to actually get more involved in it over time.
0: Great, yeah, very commendable. And uh, I guess that's it for now. That does it for this episode of the Northern Miner Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can help out the podcast by liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, commenting on it. All these things help raise the profile of the podcast. And one more thanks to our podcast sponsor, the Yukon Mining Alliance. Go to their website at yukonminingalliance.ca and their Twitter feed at at investyukon. Another thanks to our mining sponsor, Sandvik. And as I said, this is my last time hosting the Northern Miner podcast. Thanks so much for listening over the past year and a half while I've been doing this. And we will be in good hands with our new host, Adrian Pocabelli from the Northern Miner, who will take over next episode. And that's it for now. Thanks and so long.